moving forward with the Regional Transit recommendation. This week, who needs Sherwood Park? We're going to make our own regional system and it'll have high quality service and no fares. Oh, wait, sorry. We'll have neither of those things. But Edmonton will run it. Plus, we're fighting with both the province and the winter and winning neither of those fights. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 73. Uh, You thought we would be done about regional transit last week, but... We're basically done. There's not a whole lot of updates, but we'll get into that right after we get into the rapid fire segment. With nearly 300 liquor retail stores in Edmonton and hundreds of bars on top of that, access to intoxicating substances can be said to be one of the most significant challenges facing the Edmonton region in recent years. Thankfully, the private market has stepped in with Skip the Dishes now launching alcohol delivery in the city of Edmonton. All skip drivers delivering alcohol will have their pro-serve certificate, making skip drivers just like servers in a very, very large restaurant that needs to use automobiles and fossil fuels to get them from table to table. This innovation comes just before the launch of the Loblaws Super Edmonto store, a new grocery market where every aisle is drive through Robert Spencer Hospitality Group, which serves food at two well-known local restaurants, Workshop Eatery and Woodshed Burgers, was awarded the contracts to serve food at Rundle, Victoria, and Riverside Municipal Golf Courses. Both Robert Spencer and the city were excited at the partnership, but we noticed that the Royal Mayfair Golf Course wasn't listed and we were curious who provided the hospitality at the private Elite Golf Club. Upon calling the Mayfair, we were told, quote, Journalists? For a community-funded organization? Let's just say we're catered by Caviar McSpendies, and with your salary, you definitely can't get past the gate to find out one way or the other. High Level Diner in Edmonton has added carbon footprints to its menu. The diner partnered with the Northern Climate Stewardship and Sustainability Society to offer footprint indicators that range from green, for vegan and vegetarian meals, to yellow, for meals that include fish or other non-beef meats, and finally orange, for that good old Alberta steak. The three orange dots for steak might convince some not to eat meat, but the owner of the diner says that's not the intention. She just wants to get people talking. And talk, people certainly have. While the simply designed carbon indicators have certainly sparked conversation, some comments have highlighted an unintentional confusing complexity in how carbon footprints are displayed. While the steak has three orange dots, it is actually the dishes with a single dot that taste the most like carbon. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. This episode is brought to you by Skirts of Fire, Edmonton's only multidisciplinary arts festival featuring and elevating the work of women. This year's festival is bigger than ever before, with venues in Old Strathcona, Downtown Edmonton, and Alberta Ave. Among the highlights are the Darina Harvey Band and other live music and cabaret at the Station on Jasper, and an interdisciplinary performance featuring Spoken Word, a singer-songwriter, and Flamenco at the Nook. Scourge of Fire takes place February 27th to March 8th, so that's starting soon. It'll happen over a leap year, so leap around and jump over to Skirts of Fire. Festival passes are available on sale now just for $38, and you can get your tickets at skirtsoffire.com. That's skirtsoffire.com. So, last week we gave you the case of why regional transit didn't make sense for Strathcona County, and oh boy, was it a hot take from Troy. Troy took some heat on Twitter for that take. <laughs> you heard from people, did you? I did, Um But this isn't about Sherwood Park because this week the ball got kicked over to Edmonton. For reference, the regional transit uh, recommendation, it needs to be voted on by all of the municipalities. 13. 13 of us uh, in the Edmonton region and Edmonton. We got our turn at the can with our council voting to approve the recommendation and we did. 
yeah, we're the second one now to vote yes. St. Albert already voted yes earlier this month. There's 10 more municipalities to go. Edmonton today, we're recording this on Wednesday, um, voted unanimously for this recommendation, which should really surprise no one. The recommendation is, hey, everyone, give us all your transit. (laughs) In the news release, Councillor Walters, who is the co-chair of the uh, transition team that produced this report, said, I'm really pleased with the result. I'm glad to see that my colleagues saw that it just makes good sense. Edmonton was always going to approve it. Edmonton basically came up with the plan. It was part of a committee, but Edmonton was really (laughs) driving the bus on this one. (laughs) We're the big fish here. Don Iveson said, quote, today's decision shows that we are bought into working with our neighbors to find efficiencies that benefit our residents and contribute to regional economic prosperity. But he also, on the topic of Strathcona County, said Strathcona not coming in impairs our ability to get best return on investment for taxpayers across the region and loses the opportunity for seamless mobility. And then he went on to say about, well, we might have to rerun the numbers on savings with Strathcona out. Is there any way there are savings with Strathcona out? Um, I don't actually believe that there is. Because in terms of actual cost savings across the board, Edmonton's transit budget is like $300 million. And then various regions, Strathcona County was going to donate about 14 or $15 million to this project. Of the project, they would have contributed, I think it's a 26% yes. of the total budget. Yeah. So if you're saving $3 million... That's not actually a ton of money. Right. And some of the significant cost savings, like we mentioned in the previous episode, with Strathcona County, us getting to use some of their buses and their routing, we could reduce our number four running down White Ave by like 25%. Right. That's a pretty significant cost savings right there. With Strathcona County not on board, we can't really do that. So I don't think like this is going to cost anyone more it might cost edmonton a bit more because we might be subsidizing regional routes but do we come out ahead because of reduced car traffic that's a numbers game and does strathcona county join in the future there's nothing precluding them from joining the commission in the future if all other the 12 other municipalities vote to move ahead with it make the request to to the province then there's no reason that strathcona county couldn't kind of get peer pressured into uh joining as well and like they said Last week, uh, Mayor Rod Frank of Strathcona County, he's not opposed to collaboration. Right. He's just opposed to this deal. Yeah. On that note, I really like what Iveson said this week, actually. So you've heard me say in this podcast before that I consider him not necessarily to be the transit mayor, but really the regional mayor. He's really driven a lot of what I perceive to be the positive things that have happened in our region over the last number of years. Although, he, you know, as we've talked about, he wouldn't be running today if the election were called. Anyway, I digress. You know, he talked about you know, being bought into working with our neighbors, as you said. On Friday, Edmonton and St. Albert signed an agreement on recreation services. So they agreed to collaborate on building rec centers between the two two municipalities. And and the mayor said, quote, at a time when region-wide collaboration seems to be getting harder on transit and other things, these one-on-one conversations really do build goodwill with really do build goodwill with our immediate neighbors. So he's kind of, for me, coming in a little bit strong on regional collaboration is a good thing. It's a good return on investment for taxpayers across the region. Um, you know, he's starting to make that regional argument again. And he'd been kind of silent on it for, to me for a while. So I'm glad that he's picked it back up again. St. Albert is definitely going to be the first municipality that gets amalgamated into Edmonton. St. Albert is really chomping at the bit they're, to collaborate with yeah, Edmonton. They're like, yeah, we're all in. Yep. Take us. I see like St. Albert as pretty good ally in the regional discussion, which is probably helpful. 
but the actual contributions of St. Albert. St. Albert's a small municipality. At least they're a city. Yes. <laughs> that <laughs> That is true. Not a giant hamlet, but yeah, you're right. They're small relative. Yeah. So I don't know that St. Albert and Edmonton collaborating really like shocks the pants off everyone else in the region and says, oh, we got to get on this bus right now. But it doesn't hurt to have that collaboration. Right. Speaking of transit, though, Free Transit Edmonton spent the entire week at City Hall doing some stuff this week. This is a new organization. Uh, hadn't come across my radar until this week. So there's a new episode of the Progress Report, which is Progress Alberta's podcast uh, that we'll link to in the show notes. And Duncan Kinney in- interviewed Laura Cruz and Paige Gorsak, who are two of the organizers of Free Transit Edmonton. Paige Gorsak, interestingly, ran for the NDP nomination in Edmonton Strathcona and narrowly lost to Heather McPherson, which is the only uh, non-conservative MP currently in Parliament. Interesting. They talked about how what they're really trying to do with this organization is build power. They want to build a base of power of citizens who are in favor of free transit for a variety of different reasons. They talk about racial justice and social justice and economic benefits of it and all of these other things. Um, And they want to be able to pressure city councillors pressure city hall to always be mindful that there's a group of people in Edmonton that want free transit. Now I can kind of get behind that. They talk about it as being a, a public good, not unlike a library. And they're like, it's crazy. You wouldn't walk into a library and expect to be charged at the point of entry. Why do we do that for, for transit? So there's a lot of good arguments that I can, I can kind of get behind. And I guess this is one of the good things about living in a city. You get multiple groups of people that are pursuing different things. And hopefully in the end, it all moves us forward. If I was picking a fight right now, free transit is not the fight that I would pick. Yeah. If we made transit free today... My theory, my prediction is that nothing would happen tomorrow. All of the people that find it convenient to get in their cars and drive to the places they need to go will still find it convenient to get in their cars and drive to those places. We haven't designed the city any differently. We've not made it any more difficult or expensive or less convenient for people to not choose a car. We've not done anything to address the stigma, really, about taking the bus. I think those are the real harder questions that need to be solved. And maybe we can do that alongside Mm -hmm. pursuing free transit. And I'm sure that's what they would say. But, you know, we've got city plan coming up. That's a foundational thing that could help address some of these fundamental concerns that I'm raising. I hope there's a group of people that are organizing to bring some power to that conversation. The free is not the biggest barrier to usage of our transit system. No doubt. The people who have great transit service, they're already paying for the past. They don't really mind or they're at the university, they've got the U-Pass, which is a phenomenal deal. I'd absolutely love to have free transit. But I think even worse than what you're saying, if we made transit free tomorrow, you say nothing would happen. I say it would get worse mm. because the places where people were cost as a factor is where I could walk 12 blocks or I could just jump on a bus. Yeah. Um, those buses quickly become over capacity because we're already at capacity. Now, this isn't an indictment against free transit. This is an indictment against a severely underfunded transit system. Right. But I don't think the way we get more funding to our transit system is by kneecapping our our revenue of the transit system. And they talked about this on their podcast. They said the name is Free Transit Edmonton because they want to make sure that free transit is front and center. But their sort of motto, I guess, is free on good transit. Yeah. So they also want it to be an improvement of service, right? And you had Councillor Paquette kind of picking up the baton this week and saying that, you know, we pay essentially the same thing as a world-class system like New York, but we don't get a world-class system. He's wrong there. I take issue with that because it's the talking point about why isn't our transit system better? Because 
We're paying the same fares as Toronto. We're paying the same fares as Winnipeg. We are not paying the same amount. We are paying half as much as those municipalities because just look at per capita. Ottawa, they pay double per citizen in tax-related subsidies to transit. Right. Edmonton chronically underinvests in transit, and we've basically frozen the transit budget for a couple of decades. This is unsurprising that we have a crappy transit system because this is what we've paid for. So when I hear we're paying the same as these other systems, Sure, the fair price. Like might, the, the price of entry for you to get it on the bus is the same, but the amount you're paying as a taxpayer. It's significantly less. Right. And that needs to be front and center in the conversation because when people say we already pay so much in transit and, oh, we're paying the same amount as Toronto, that does a significant disservice, I think, especially to the free transit argument mm-hmm. because we need to be clear of exactly how much we're paying and exactly what we're getting for that service. And right now we're getting bad service for significantly less than anyone else pays for their service because we just don't want to invest in it. What's your take on their approach here? Because essentially what I'm gathering from everything I've read so far, the podcast that they were interviewed on, is that they don't necessarily have a single focus. Free transit is the focus, obviously, but sometimes they'll make the argument that it's about public good. Sometimes they'll make the case that it's a good economic argument. They mentioned that it's a climate emergency and this can help us achieve our emissions targets. They talk about social justice. I mean, kind of trying to kill a whole bunch of birds with one stone. I worry there's a bit of Occupy Wall Street in there. It's a very like organic grassroots movement. It reminds me a lot of Occupy, which tended, I think, to fail because it didn't have a clear message or a clear rallying cry. This can be a problem when you invoke intersectionality in a movement to solicit change. Because the nature of intersectionality is you want to include people, you want to make sure that you're solving the marginalized issues. But when you're being inclusive in your messaging, your messaging can also get muddled. Yeah. I don't know that Free Transit Edmonton is convincing anyone that isn't already convinced. And I think you need to look no further than the Free Transit Challenge they issued this week. They basically said, hey, city councillors, for this week, just take the bus, only the bus. Didn't we already have one of these? Probably. This is this is not a new thing, right? They've been challenged to do transit before. Yeah. Um, the thing is, the councillors who are okay with taking transit already do. Yeah. And the other ones are just not going to respond. And so Councillor Paquette, Henderson, McKean, and Knack all accepted. Shocker. Yeah, very That group shocker. of people, I am shocked that they were the ones that participated. And the people you really need to challenge, of course, are administration. Absolutely. The people that make the decisions about ETS but live off in St. Albert, sorry, St. Albert, and drive in every day. I mean, future Edmonton is where they live. Uh, but yeah, that that's exactly the point. We're putting so much pressure on council. Right. But I think the pressure really needs to be on administration because, yes, we need to pressure council to increase the funding for transit. We mentioned it's Policy already. Yeah. yeah. But the main improvements, we can do better. And part of the transit redesign is doing better with our current implementation. But there are things that you can implement without budgetary changes that can significantly change the experience. And Sharon um, had an interesting comment this week that you mentioned just before the podcast. Yeah. And I think it's directly related to this. Yeah. My wife, Sharon, uh, takes the train every day um, to, to work and then she walks from the train station to her office. And so when she does that, she passes under uh, or through an overpass or however, whatever the sidewalk looks like. I don't know. But under the overpass, there's always a truck parked there, a photo radar truck. Which are chartreuse green now. They are green. They've got big, bold lettering. 
And so you can see what happens. Drivers can see the truck a mile away and they slow down to go past the vehicle. So the drivers are getting a heads up that, hey, if you're breaking the law, pause momentarily so that you don't get caught. She takes the train. She notices on the platform the transit officers who do not wear fluorescent colors kind of hide behind the escalators and then hop on the train right as the doors are about to close and then ticket people on the train. And it's like, why don't the transit riders get the same heads up about potentially breaking the law as drivers do? Yeah. And that was a really fascinating because I'd never thought about it exactly like that. But that's essentially what we're doing. Now, one could argue maybe we shouldn't have made the photo radar truck chartreuse. But I think the inverse is equally true. It's if you are designing your system such that it's equitable and that you want to include the population and your fines are proportionate to the offense, I don't think you need to like hide and do absolutely essentially a speed trap. That's an administrative change. Right. Sure, council could pass policies on fair policy and fair evasion policies and all that. Or administration could just say, hey, we're not going to enforce in this manner. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I agree with the free transit folks that this is a big issue. We've talked about it on the podcast before that a disproportionate number of fare evasion tickets go to people who are indigenous or low income. And that means they're penalized, not just with the fare, but the knock on effects that come out of that as well. So I think obviously making transit free for those folks would be an absolute benefit. That would be a win for our community. But there's more to the argument than just that. Yeah. And that's where this becomes a bit tricky for me to fully get behind. One interesting thought experiment is a lot of the arguments against free transit are, you know, the expense overnight. And Don Iveson makes this all the time with incline block pricing. And, you know, we have to make capital investments. And if we don't provide a cost for service, then people decrease the value in their mind of the service. Right. All decent points. I don't psychology there. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know that it's a solid enough argument to convince me, but I can see where he's coming from there. But like the crux of his argument always comes down to if I was gifted $50 million or $100 million tomorrow, would I improve service or would I make fares free? And it's easy to get behind, well, let's improve service because ridership will follow improved service. Right. But if you stop and consider that we invest with public tax dollars, about $200 million in our transit system every year, and we're investing about half of a different municipality like Ottawa uh, would invest. Well, if we were to say invest in transit at the same rate as other municipalities in Canada, we have an extra $200 million a year. Right. Fares are only $130 million. So you can make fares free and improve service. And all you have to do is invest in transit like a municipality that's building for the next million people in Edmonton. Exactly Don Iveson's talking point. It's a real bit of cognitive dissonance that I think the best way to tackle transit is to really talk about how expensive transit is. Rather than saying how how easy it would be to make transit free, let's talk about the actual cost of transit right? and how much we should really be paying how, for transit. What, what portion of your tax dollar do you want to advocate to it? But that's that's enough about free transit. We will keep an eye on this, of course. I mean, I've been at City Hall talking about free transit for years. I'm excited that there's an organized group taking the helm. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. If, like, I'm behind that. if they're successful, kudos. Like, I will take them all out for a uh, three climate change unit steak dinner and really <laughs> celebrate. One of the things that uh, climate change causes is different winters. Uh, and Paquette this week was talking about how we can change snow clearing just a little bit. 
Oh, I'll be so happy when winter's over and we don't have to talk about snow every episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was talking about getting administration. He gave notice of motion. He's going to get administration to analyze the feasibility of a snow and ice clearing pilot project. And I was like, haven't we done that many times? It's the municipal equivalent of high-speed rail to Calgary. Yeah, basically. Um, what's, I suppose, a little different is that he's arguing in favor of looking at what if the city clears the sidewalks? So currently... Um, everybody in Edmonton is responsible for clearing their own sidewalk. I've heard this described in the past as the most broad and fundamental form of public engagement that exists in our city, which is an interesting way to think about it. Or conscription. (laughs) Or conscription. Um, We also know that it's not a very effective way to achieve some of the things that are important to us, like accessibility and and, um, safety and those kinds of things. You can't rely on everybody to clear their sidewalk. Some people are unable to. Look, I'm an able-bodied, politically active guy who really wants to make our city the best in winter. There's been a couple snowfalls where I've missed the snow for like 24 hours. I don't think that's a true indictment on me. Winters are long. Sometimes people are busy. But for the person with a mobility aid trying to get across my front walk, yeah, that's a problem. And if all of your neighbors clear their sidewalks, that's fantastic. If you haven't, the sidewalk is still essentially not passable for that person. Yeah. Right? That's a big problem. So, I mean, I think what he's asked for is basically information. He said, what would the cost be? What would it look like? How would we actually do it? He's really just digging around for some detail, which I fully support. This is absolutely the kind of thing that we should be getting from administration. Give us more information about this so that we can make an informed decision. I can't imagine that this will go anywhere. Um, I drove outside your house here to get here today, and I noticed the road still isn't clear. If they can't clear the roads for drivers, how are they going to clear the sidewalks for the rest of us? They did. <laughs> they they came around on Saturday, cleared the roads, and then a dump of okay. snow came on it Sunday. again, fair enough. And it hasn't been cleared. Okay, so. yeah. But your point absolutely taken. And we don't even have to go to the road argument. There are sidewalks that the city maintains a lot of epsb's uh sidewalks are maintained by the city of edmonton and my favorite example is right across from the metro cinema garno school i believe Mm -hmm. never cleared um it's ruddy and there's like poles in the middle of the sidewalk as well and (laughs) of course they can't bring the trucks so they just don't clear that section 311 requests if you make six or seven of them eventually it'll get cleared but the city would have to radically change its prioritization and its usability of its snow clearing, which it should. Um, but this is a much more complex issue than just, hey, city, let's start clearing. I mean, they're using robots out at uh, EIA to do security patrol and maybe help with snow clearing and things like that. I know that was an investigative piece. Like, why can't we adopt robots to clear the sidewalks? Well, and, <laughs> you know, we don't even have to fall to the technology piece. I, I realize I'm being a little bit down on the snow clearing. I think it'd be a great idea if we can do it well. But even if we do it poorly, maybe it's still a great idea. Because just consider my block, there's like, what, 16-ish houses on the block. Everyone has to get out with their shovels, do it at different times. Or you could just get a quad with a thing on the front, have it cleared in, what, a minute two minutes yep yeah so there's an efficiency argument to be made that yeah. we're doing this mass conscription of inefficient labor yeah and maybe we should just pay for a little bit more efficient labor i will be very interested to see what comes of it but i do not want to talk about snow clearing anymore <laughs> we're uh, done with snow clearing i think we have to end on the uh the other fight that we're losing this winter mm. when that's with the province right so you may have heard that the province is reviewing the local authorities election act i always want to say local election act but local authorities election act the, the lalea 
There you go. The legislation that covers how elections should run uh, for municipalities in the province. And we've heard from the province in the last month or so, um, the Minister Casey Madhu, that they're not looking to introduce partisan politics into this process I was on. Yep. Dave, <laughs> I was on Dave Berta's podcast uh, last week talking about this, and we got into it a little bit. Councillors and the mayor are now also starting to get a bit vocal about this. At first, they were just saying, "Whoa, we've not been consulted on this," and now they're speaking up a little bit more forcefully about some risks that could come from these potential changes. Yeah, NAC has been going hard, especially about this is just way too broad. Even if you consulted, you can't make the changes for this next election. Uh, local authorities election act it needs to be a broad consultation engage all albertans and then do it with time to adapt i don't envision we're going to see that from the ucp government right and i think it's part of a broader power struggle between the two that i i sort of started to touch on on dave's podcast so you have said before that you know municipalities exist at the pleasure of the province if they wanted to they could take control and we wouldn't have council so they already hold all the power in the relationship. But there's a, a number of things that seem to be happening all at the same time that are kind of like the province trying to wrestle power back from the municipalities, which is very strange. So this is one of them. Can they make changes to this act that would allow PACs and other things to maybe influence municipal politics to get UCP-friendly candidates elected? Not even that. Maybe even just UCP candidates. Maybe they allow parties. The other thing that's happening, of course, is this uh, fair deal panel review that's that's happening. And one of the suggestions there is that if a municipality like Edmonton wants to make a funding agreement or any other kind of agreement with the federal government, that the province of Alberta should have the ability to say yay or nay to that, which, you know, the mayor came out this week and said, quote, to hold those up with a lot of extra red tape and bureaucracy would not be consistent with the government's overall approach to streamlining the administration of government kind of basically saying you're trying to get rid of red tape here right not create more i've noticed a lot of the discussions in public and around public policy have started using ucp terms red tape reduction we saw it uh in the discussion around reduction of parking minimums you had ashley salvador of yeah garden suite come up and say you know this this is the biggest piece of red tape in the province and if the province really wants to reduce red tape they should get rid of these parking minimums and you're like Okay, these people, Iveson, never would have said those words in those sequence before. And it almost feels like mocking a little bit. A little bit. But it really highlights the hypocrisy of some of these policy decisions. And it might also get them to listen, right? Maybe. Yeah. Um, So this one, you know, is kind of about provincial control and oversight of our federal agreement. And why that's particularly important is, of course, in the budget, they kind of delayed funding for transit so they're still you know saying they're going to give edmonton and calgary the money to build their lrt but not as quickly as they would have and so to fill the gap either we need to borrow or perhaps go and get make an agreement with the federal government so that we can continue continue to build on our schedule but if that is now subject to a provincial decision if we're going to make a deal with the feds that's a problem the other thing they've done is dissolve the alberta capital finance authority so this is the funding body that a city like Edmonton can go to to get a loan to borrow money at really low interest rates. That used to be arm's length, a separate group of people that basically rubber stamped that decision. They've now made that a government decision. So both ways that Edmonton might need to go and get some more money for its projects, either borrowing or talking to the feds, it's up to a provincial decision, potentially, if this fair deal panel recommendation goes ahead. 
Now, if I was an enterprising uh, federal government right now, and I saw Alberta talking about <sighs> Wexit, but beyond that, the more things like equalization payments and getting a fair deal there, or, you know, this real discontent with the federal government, and we need to put Alberta first, the pipeline rhetoric, all that very anti-federalist rhetoric that's coming from Albertan politicians, yeah. where they've started an open war with the federal government, it might be in the same way during the Civil War, you had the superpowers going to different states across the world and saying, yeah, have our loans, have our money, and in exchange, adopt capitalism or communism. I might, as a federal government, be saying, okay, well, Albertan municipalities are hurting for capital funding for infrastructure projects. Maybe if I'll exchange some capital dollars in exchange for support for my federalist policies in the next federal election, or maybe advocating for a different provincial government. This is all things that I'd be doing the political calculus on federally. Mm. And I think the UCP has to realize the writing is on the wall there. Yeah. And they're really clamping down on their control because if all money has to come from the province, then the province is in complete control of the narrative within the province. Right. And if the goal of the UCP is to say Ottawa is restricting us, it doesn't matter if Ottawa is actually restricting us if the end result is we are restricted. Uh, that sleight of hand in that cup game, that could be pretty effective. And that's that's scary. Problematic for cities. Very problematic for cities. Once again, the cities are sort of being caught in the crossfire where we need to reduce deficits. So the pro province has downloaded budget cuts onto municipalities. This is the province, I think, downloading their political fights and their anti-federalist rhetoric onto the municipalities, many of which had pretty positive relationships with the federal government. Absolutely. Edmonton had infrastructure minister Sohi. Yeah, Mayor Iveson, chair of the big city mayor's caucus. He's uh, obviously with FCM been quite visible and vocal at the federal level. So, yeah. So we'll have to keep an eye on this. Um, this could be very scary for municipalities and is also going to be probably a big player in 2021, the upcoming municipal election. Absolutely. Local Authorities Election Act the rhetoric around how we accept federal money, this is all going to be shaping a pretty contentious, I think, uh, election in 21. So we'll keep an eye on that. But before we do that, we got to keep your eyes on this ad through your ear holes. This episode is brought to you by InVentures, which is a chance to connect with the best and brightest in global innovation. You can join 4,000 creative and curious minds at the frontier of innovation at this event in Calgary. There's more than 250 speakers on six different program tracks. InVentures was started to connect entrepreneurs and startups with VCs, angel investors, service providers, and other thought leaders. And they also included an education track for students. It's organized by Alberta Innovates. It takes place in Calgary from June 3rd to June 5th. Tickets are on sale now. If you buy before the end of April, it's just $3.99. And if you're a student, you can get one for $99. You can learn all about it and get your tickets at InventuresCanada.com. That's InventuresCanada.com. So that's all for this week. Uh, it's warming up this week, so I pinky promise next week we're not going to talk about snow clearing. Are Maybe. you a meteorologist now, too? Because it might snow in the middle. I looked at Google Weather, so <laughs> uh, we haven't plugged in a while, but remember, we're like produced by taproot edmonton there's roundups you can subscribe to we are if you want to know what council's about to talk about each week the things that we're going to pay attention to 
check out the council roundup from taproot edmonton comes out every friday if you read the council roundup you could be like that kid in class who read the textbook before the lesson and you like raise your hand you're like oh pick me pick me i know about this and that'll just feel good you can gloat over your other podcast listeners because you're all in city of edmonton tower we see you city staff (laughs) until next week i'm troy i'm mac and we're speaking Speaking municipally. municipally